All right, guys. So uh, as promised, I'm getting back to you with the interview that I did with my good friend and colleague, uh, Dr. Neil Morris in Phoenix, Arizona. Uh, actually, a week ago to this day, it was a really good interview. Uh, he brought dropped some man. <laughs> I'm not even going to edit this at this point. This is hilarious. He brought a lot of good knowledge and drop some crazy good gems in this episode and i'm just gonna let that blunder uh speak for what is going on in this podcast right now oh my gosh um things have gone i mean fifth has hit the shan with uh technical difficulties of this podcast uh in the past week or so anyway i've been working behind the scenes uh among school and not feeling so great the past couple days to try to remedy this and i think i found a solution so i'm going to try it out over the next couple episodes after this anyway i checked with dr morris uh he said even though the audio pretty much sucks uh he wants me to go ahead and air it and i agree because for those of you that are willing to listen to the, the terrible audio uh i think you'll gain a lot of good perspective with uh what his take is on the current situation uh, now in mid-April, the coronavirus. So without further ado, uh, I want to introduce Dr. Neil Morris. He is a naturopathic physician in the Phoenix, Arizona area. He is the co-owner of Regenerative Health Group uh, just inside Mesa, Arizona, uh, not far from the Mesa-Tempe line, if you're familiar with the Phoenix layout. Uh, he focuses his practice mainly on uh regenerative injection therapy and other ways to help manage pain from a naturopathic perspective. He also has a history of work in the hospital as a registered nurse. Um, he spent some time, and when I say some time, several years in the CVICU, uh, at many different hospitals in major cities in America. So he has a ton of insight as to what actually is going on in the ICU world right now. Uh, I hope you get some knowledge out of this. As always, I'm going to have his links to where you can see what he's up to and keep up with him if you want in the episode description. And I hope you can sit back and, and get something out of this. All right, so I've got Dr. Neil Morris with me today, coming out of the Phoenix, Arizona area. Um, good friend and colleague from where I started medical school in Tempe. And so he's got a unique background. Um, we'll get to that in just a second. How are you today, Neil? I'm doing great. How are you doing, Dane? I'm good. How do you like to go by nowadays, now that you're a, a doc, Dr. Morris, Dr. Neil? I, I primarily go by Dr. Morris. Um, some people call me Dr. Neil because I, they knew me as Neil before I was a physician. So okay. I, I, it doesn't really, I, it doesn't bother me, <laughs> whatever. Okay. okay. All right. Good to know. So talking about the coronavirus, like we had the last several episodes. So, you know, the numbers are continuing to climb like that. That's not shocking to any of us been following it. So I think we're, we're just over 102,000 uh, total deaths, I think, was the last number I saw. Um, I think we're at like a like 1.6 million cases. Um, what's your thoughts as of like today or this week? Like what what's kind of your overall take right now? 
Well, uh, I, I, the, to me, the biggest concern about COVID or coronavirus, or if you want to, you know, say the long name and everything, is yeah. is is uh, I like calling it COVID because it's a little bit more specific, but it's not quite the correct name. <laughs> but it's easy. Um, no, I'm with you. Um, the the biggest concern to me about COVID is that it's it's just easily transmittable, you know, and it's taken a while for us to even start to really acknowledge it. And I know initially at some point, and I forget the date, even, even the world health organization initially was not saying that it was, you know, like pretty much airborne initially. Um, right. So, and that a lot of people off to, uh, to kind of get out of hand. So to me, I, I don't think the mortality rate is as high as some of the areas they're reporting. And it's not because, I don't think that the people are actually dying. It's, I think that more people actually have been infected or are infected than has been reported. And that's why I think the mortality rates. And I also think um, that, yes, it may slow down, um, but I think we're going to go really close. We're going to have a super high infection rate when it's all said and done. Right, right. Now, that doesn't mean, and I think that the confusing part for a lot of people out there is, uh, a high infection rate doesn't necessarily mean a high mortality rate like that. That actually can be good news as far as mortality. Exactly. Well, and here's something also, if you, if you, you know, you speak to um, someone, someone who like specialize in this field is that here's the thing is, is the virus going to adapt? Absolutely. That's what it does. What virus, a virus to kill its host, a virus wants to live. Right. So, most likely as it adapts, that's a little bit left, less lethal because it wants to keep on living. So right. I say it's like it's going to keep going. And um, what we're doing, uh, I think, is good. Is it a little bit? Uh, could we do more? We can always do more. The question is how much how far do we want to go to to do everything that we can do? You know, so. Um, I also, and I, what's that? Sorry. Well, I, I think touching on that, like, I think that's the, the big debate right now is like, how far is too far? How far is not enough? We can always do more, but is it worth like tanking the economy and like keeping our kids out of school longer? Like where's the real balance? You, you want to know when we're going to know the answer? I, I can tell you exactly when we're going to know the answer. Right, about 10 it. years from now, we're going to look back and we're going to know exactly what we should have done. How about that? <laughs> I agree. So it's, you know, when you're in the mix, here's the truth. Even the people who are really on top of this, we're still kind of shooting from the hip. You know, we, yeah. we don't know exactly a hundred percent. And if someone says this is a hundred percent what it is, I'll look at them like, I don't care on which side of it. And I'll look at them like a mm, hundred you know what I mean? We have right. models and we think it's going to do this and we think it's going to do that. And we think it's going to respond like in Arizona. We think it, we think, you know, in the next couple of weeks because of the heat, because it's getting warmer here. We, we think that it's going to help a lot here. Um, but what do people in Arizona do whenever it gets really hot outside? We go inside right. to the air conditioning and it's going to be probably just fine in the air conditioning. So um, so will it? I don't know. You know what I mean? That's what I'm saying. We'll know soon, but you know, 
we're just kind of, you know, we're, we're, we're doing what we have to do each day as we find out more and more information. Same thing with the medications and with the treatments that are out there. It's, you know, that's right. why I don't like to bag on any treatment out there because we won't know until we test it exactly uh, how well. And also we won't know the long-term effects until it's been long-term. Right. You know? So touching on treatments, um, I know, I mean, you're, you're unique compared to, to the conventional world. I mean, not only as a naturopathic physician, but also you've got a perspective that even a lot of NDs don't have because you've got, you know, several years of, of hospital based experience as a, as a registered mm-hmm. nurse. Um, what, what's your take on this conglomerate of, you know, do we treat, do we treat conventionally? Are we super aggressive? Do we vent everybody that's symptomatic? Uh, do we hold off and just support? Do we treat naturally? Like where's all that going? So I, again, I believe that you should use every, weapon that could potentially help. Um, so when you say, what should we do? Should we use conventional or we use alternative? My answer is yes. Um, <laughs> I know that's like, what? So if, you know what, if, uh, and I know right now you see one research article that says it's good and you see one research article says it's going to, you know, it's bad. But if you think about medications, that's how medications are. Like, you know, you have a blood pressure medication that helps 60% of the population, but the other percent, it doesn't help. Do we still use it? And the answer is absolutely we do. So, you know, like the right. whole thing with uh, it's for me, it's easier to say Plaquenil, even though, you know, hy- well, hydroquinone, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, yeah. you know, there's a lot of debate about that, but there are some places that are reporting that they're getting benefits and they're running it with an antibiotic and doing with, with zinc, which is interesting that they're using zinc too. Um, now, does that make sense? If you think about it, they're running with antibiotic. Um, no, but, um, and the question is, will it cause, um, long-term effects? Uh, it might, <laughs> it really might. <laughs> it's like the, the other, you know what I mean? It's like, uh, we know that that medication can cause for number one blindness, you know? Um, so uh, it has a high likelihood. So if you're going to be on it for a, a long term, man, there's, there's a risk. But the question is, are we looking at death or are we looking at potential blindness or other, you know, other type of, you know, kidney liver type things, you know? So it just, you don't want to take, personally, I feel you don't want to take anything off the table right now. The problem, some people are going and, and buying it and getting it for themselves and taking, which, you know, that, right. that is not what you want to do. You, if you're going to do something, number one, at least of a, a physician who's very familiar with medication. Um, and number two, if you're, you know, seriously symptomatic, I mean, having a temperature and a runny nose and a sore throat, don't do that. You know what I mean? Like, you right. know what I mean? difficulty breathing, you know, all these things. Okay. Yeah. Let's, let's get aggressive because this could turn bad, you know? So I don't know. Does that kind of ask, answer the questions? And, and at the same time, yeah. Oh, you know, like one of the things that they're doing right now is a high dose vitamin C and I say high dose, but yep. in the naturopathic world, it's not very high dose. They're, they're I, right. Relative. Yeah. Yeah. High dose just uh, in terms of someone who's not familiar with vitamin C, but I think, uh, 
I think they're only running like six to eight grams. I just off the top of my head. Um, and, and that, and like I said, the people who, who's never run vitamin C that, that is a high dose, Right. but there's people who they're running like, you know, like, uh, 50 grams, you know what I mean? Which is, that's a high dose. And, and, and even if that, if you're going to go and you're going to do that, you have to be aware of the potential things that can happen in the osmolarity. And like, literally, if you, you know, you have to check your G6 PD type of thing, because, you know, literally you could just, you know, lice your red blood cells and die, you know? So, right. So, right. So, you know, so now everybody goes and goes buys vitamin C and you can't find vitamin C anywhere type of thing, even though it's oral and oral, you, you don't have as big of a challenge because, uh, at some point your body's going to not absorb anymore and you're going to get diarrhea. So, <laughs> so going to the vitamin C thing. So I've had a couple people, a couple of listeners ask me why, why are we not running more IV vitamin C trials in the U S and that's something you may be able to speak that better than I can. Uh, you know, some people are saying like, Oh, it's conspiracy. And some people are saying like, it's just like to do that at scale. We're not set up to do so. Um, what's your thoughts on it? Why are we not seeing more, more trials than we are run in the U S for IV vitamin C? My, my personal belief is that it's not a big money maker. You can't, you're not going to patent IV vitamin C, you know? Um, I would, I would love to be a part of it if someone would, um, you know, be interested because the other, it takes money, you know, to do that. It takes money and, and if you're going to put a lot of money in to do that, you need anybody who's going to invest is going to want to see the payout in the end. And I don't think you're going to see that huge payout that you could do with a new patented. Right. And I think that's the case. I mean, I think that's the case with a lot of natural medicine research. You know, the question's like, oh, we don't have a trial for it. And it's like, yeah, it's because we couldn't get it funded. Right. Um, you know, <laughs> so another thing kind of going off you know, your, your unique background, there's, there's a school of thought. There's papers coming out when this thing started to ramp up in the U S and like, Hey, you know, as long as the supply chain holds up, like we should start venting people early. We should put them on ventilators, you know, early. Um, and we think that might increase their, their chances. But then now we're starting to see somewhat of a trend pop up saying, Hey, maybe, maybe, we shouldn't be venting people unless they absolutely mm-hmm. need it. Have you seen anything so way with this? Here's the thing. This is pre-COVID. This is in general. They call it, there's there's a thing called sure. uh, a VAP, ventilator associated pneumonia. Um, and and think about it. Let's let's we'll start. I take a needle okay. and pierce your skin. Is there a chance of infection underneath your skin? Right. Sure. If I take a tube, even I'm going to keep it as clean as possible and down into your lungs, is there a chance that I can create an infection there just by me putting a tube down there? Absolutely. Because you're changing the environment. And I'm literally putting something down into right into your lungs. And then you want to know what else I do? Every so often I have to do suction. So that means and much better with it called inline suction now in the most ICUs where you don't have to break the, um, the system. So it decreases the risk of infection, but it's still a risk. So that's why they started like this little, it's basically, it keeps the, 
keep the um the goes down to suction out the lungs, helps keep it's like almost like a little pack right. bag. I'm not technology of it, but it a self-contained chamber. Changed out. Um, there's still a potential. Anytime you are going to do something like that, um, and again, when will we know 100% the answer? Someone's going to be like, done it this way, and they doing it XYZ, you know, type of thing. And know better next time because something like this will happen again. Uh, right. I'm, I, you know, ideally we make it through this uh, and we fare pretty well and it'll prep us and we'll be more prepared whenever something like this happens in the future. Well, I, and we touched on this a little bit before we jumped on the call here is you, you were making a point about how it, it's really easy to call from the sidelines. Yeah. And, and I mean, I'm a big sports guy, you know, a lot of people we like to watch like college football and then we say, oh, well, you know, they, they should have called this player. They should have called that. And I mean, you know, you watch analysts all oh, yeah. the time, whether it's in sport or whatever. And I think what we need to keep in mind here is one, like this is a brand new situation, but two, uh, it's really easy for us to, to say, Hey, this is a bad call. I can't imagine like being somebody that's in, you know, in a public office or running an IC right now, like, it, you know, it's, we need to give them support instead of yeah, peak. It's very easy to sit back and say, you know what? That intensivist should have intubated that patient. I can't believe he waited so long. Whenever that intensivist is basically got three patients um, rolling in, two of them are like he know is going to crash. And one of them, he's like, you know what? They're going to crash sooner or later. I'm just going to hold off on this one right now as I go and take care of these other two. And he's going back and forth from room to room. It's easy to say, like, he should have innovated that pa other patient earlier. And you know what? Maybe he should have. But then the other one would have died. You know what I mean? So there's a lot of variables right. that you don't know. That's like saying, like, you know, it's easy to be an armchair quarterback when you're at home and you're like, oh, he should have threw the ball or he should have threw the ball to number 88 because 88 was open. Instead of he threw it to the other guy and he was covered and now got intercepted. Well, yeah, because you get to see the whole TV screen. You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> and, and there's no one trying to crush you running at you that weighs 300 plus pounds. You know what I mean? Like you don't have death. I mean, it's, it's, it's a whole nother thing in that mix. And by second, I base off decision and there's a lot of pressure. Um, so yeah, I hundred, you know, the, these emergency room physicians and these intensivists and pulmonologists and stuff like that, that are, you know, going at it right now and even you know the nurses the, the respiratory therapists and everybody man it's especially these uh areas where you know it's already hit in the united states um they're just doing the best they can can't they can do you know right so it's i think it's best not to judge and just offer support and you know yeah we should still i'm not saying we shouldn't voice our opinion but at the same time i don't think we should be so critical towards uh them because they are the one that's actually in the trench and they're getting shot at while they're shooting back, you know? And right. Yeah, no, I'm with you. So talking about ways to support, like not only supporting them, but supporting the patients. I, I know one of the things that you've really been digging into lately is ozone yep. yeah. therapy. Um, tell us about that. Like, how can that be helpful? So uh, the thing about ozone and we're learning again, we're learning, there's a lot of old information on ozone. Um, and there is now more information on ozone and actually in Italy. And I think they, another thing just came up 
doing it in Spain. And in the one in Italy, I was able to read through that paper. They, um, I, can't, I don't remember the number of patients, but they specifically said, I believe they said 10 patients that were intubated. They started doing ozone on and within two or three treatments. Um, and if you go and read it and it says four, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> I don't have it in front of me right now. But with, within right. a low amount of treatments, they started turning around and they haven't to this point had anybody respond as well to any other treatments as well as they've responded to ozone. So wow. I think that's pretty significant and something that we should be, again, 10 years from now, are they going to come back and say, well, that was wrong? Maybe, but it, you know what, if you're getting something right now, that's causing uh, those type of turnarounds without, and we're not seeing any type of sequelae, you know, like we're not seeing anything else negatively happening, happening, then right. I think we need to push forward on it. Right. And I, I think that's the thing that I'm seeing a lot of people on, on the extremes of this and very few in the middle, you know, on one hand, I think we should be really careful uh, as a population, how we view evidence-based medicine on one end. I think, you know, we shouldn't just kind of throw stuff with, without any type of theory that could be supportive. But at the same time, like, if we wait until we have a meta-analysis on everything, we're always going to be behind yeah, the curve. Exactly. That's, and that's the thing. That's, you know, it is a practice of medicine. It's not a no of medicine. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Um, a lot of, even a lot of medications that are out right now are used um, not for what they were registered for by the FDA. You know, so it's, you know what I mean? So it's kind of, uh, there is, and, and, and a lot of people are, if they start doing some digging, they're going to realize there's a lot of things that are done out there in medicine that it, the initial intention is not what they're no longer being done for. Um, right. And, and there's a lot of benefit, you know? So, yep. and, and Plaquenil is one of them, you know what I mean? Not to circle back around it, but that's, you know, that's, yeah. Yeah, it's not brand yeah, new. Exactly. It's been around for a long time and it's used for, you know, different type yep. of autoimmune diseases and stuff like that. You know what I mean? So it's, you know, it's just got a lot of side effects. But <laughs> uh, right. that being said, ozone actually was, uh, I believe the, the, it was the whole principle and everything was really originally done by, um, oh, What's the guy that likes invented everything? Um, <laughs> uh, Are you talking about uh, um, like Thomas No, no, Edison? no. But he was actually his apprentice at one time. Um, oh, I know cars named about, I can't think of it. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I can't believe it. I know. I... Um, oh, my gosh. I can't believe I can't remember. It's all right. It's all right. Don't, don't worry about uh, it. Oh my gosh. It's, it's bugging me. Like, that Tesla, Tesla. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. yeah so yeah. actually okay. the, yeah. the whole principle behind the ozone uh, stuff was originated. Um, that's how long she been okay. around and it was used for uh, a variety of different things. Um, a antiviral, antimicrobial, uh, bacterial, um, and then uh, and then penicillin came out, and it kind of got pushed to the wayside. 
You know? Right. Because uh, you can, there's, you know, by that time, it's not patentable. You know, all the patents have run out and everything, you know, so you can make a lot more money off of penicillin than you could off uh, ozone. Well, and this is, I, I want to address this because we've never talked about ozone in here before. There's this big time, I don't know if myth is the appropriate word, but there's this big time like fear of like, well, ozone's like, you know, we're talking about a gas or we're putting it in the bloodstream. And I mean, clearly that's not the case because we've got people out there you know, practicing ozone and you don't ever hear of, of people die when it's done right. correctly. And that's the thing. Also, you know, anyone listening to this, do not go and try to inject ozone. Okay. You go to go to sure, a trained right. medical is, is, trained medical physician, you know, type of thing. So um, you just I you know what everybody nowadays you tell something comes out and they want to go out and buy it and have it. So it's it's not yep. it's not what you're supposed to be doing. Okay, that's uh, why you can't get vitamin C. Exactly, right exactly. So, um, but oh. with ozone, um, there's you know a couple key things. One, it needs to be uh, met. You need to use medical grade oxygen that's 100 percent oxygen um two you need to there's to my knowledge there's only two brands uh names of the machines that out there uh you need to that are you know widely accepted um you know i would you know those would need to be done to be able to concentrate the ozone and then also there are different ways of administering they go you use different gammas for different type of things whenever you're doing the ozone. And there is, okay. and I don't have it in front of me at some point, maybe we could actually talk more about it, but there, when it comes to, yeah, for when sure. it comes to ozone, there are certain thresholds. And here's another thing too. There's certain thresholds that will cause uh, cell lysis. Like it will red blood cells. And it's all about um, not going over that threshold. And there's research that shows at this threshold, causes cell lysis and, and then it as it decreases and then this, there's a safety range so it's all about staying within that safety range which you know right and then you know oddly enough you say that uh, the initial ozone that was done push ozone directly into the vein which freaks me out <laughs> yeah no kidding <laughs> you know coming back from the background of the nurse but they still we do not administer ozone this way, but they say that they right, do right. a slow push directly into it's it's up, it's taken up through the hemoglobin and that it's fine. And there's no nitrogen. Nitrogen, you know, is what you cause the bends, like the divers get type of thing. That if you use 100 oxygen. That being said, I could never see myself doing that. Not. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> it's wanna, like I, don't, you know, I was like, I'm think. gonna pass on that. Um, there's much, much right. safer ways that you can do it. And that's the way that I do it. And I feel comfortable doing it that way. So. Okay. So back to something you said at the, the very beginning, um, that, that the weather's changing in Arizona. Um, the weather's getting really nice here in Seattle and, and it's probably starting to get warm in places like Arizona and Texas. Um, what's the whole theory behind that? Because I, I've had people ask that, like, are we going to be out of the woods when it starts getting warm in the, in the Southern States? So, you know, uh, I think the best answer is a definite maybe, <laughs> you know what I mean? Okay. Um, there is a theory that it dies somewhere in the eighties. Do you, do you remember the number off the top of your head? 80. I no, I mean, again, like the research is yeah. all over the place. There, there's some people that are saying anywhere between 80 and yeah. 90. 
That's what I, I remember something like that. I thought it was somewhere between like 87 or 83 and 88 is what I hear. Like, um, yeah, I um, that being said, we won't know until it happens. And, and here's the thing, even if it right. does, that just means that areas that are open air will be protected against as opposed to if you go in, if you have it inside your body, you go inside a 75 degree air conditioned room and you cough, it's still there. You know what I mean? It's not right. like because you walked outside that it's a, a, a actually gone. Um, you know what I mean? It just means when you cough outside, it's probably going to die on whatever surface it lands on uh, faster. And you're not going to have to worry about con- uh, getting the, the risk of you know, transmitting outside. You know? Right. So, well, here's another thing. So there's a lot of, a lot of, I follow a lot of pulmonary docs on Twitter that are, you know, on the front lines of this. And there seems to be a lot of concern that, yeah, we're going to do all the social distancing and stuff, but if we're not careful, because I mean, people are already getting antsy, yep. you know, we, we still, I mean, a lot of states aren't even halfway through their shelter in place orders and people are already yep. antsy, but there's a big concern that we're going to do all this that, you know, flatten the curve and slow the spread and whatever. And then we're going to, you know, we're going to let people out of the gate and then we're going to cause a second wave uh, that could potentially be worse. Could be. <laughs> yeah i mean you know who knows and, and and because of that there's people that are saying you know we just need to let this thing go we need to go back to our lives and let people lose and what happens right. happens and i don't know like that. it's you know what the thing that's the thing about that we're really going to know 10 years from now what was the right thing to do you know yep. and, and then even if let's say we do that and we cause a second outbreak and it's worse and they're going to say, we should have just let it run its course initially. What it would have done initially. Second outbreak won't lethal. So here's a, here's kind of like a, a thought experiment because we have no idea what's going to happen and we can't know what's going to happen. If we put you in charge right now, <laughs> or, or you got and we said, all right, your best guess, you know, if for, for some reason you got to make the call. What what do you think would be like the best move we could make right now, um, based on your experience? Um, so something that I would like to and and I, I sent you a text this morning about that uh, they're rolling out the so I guess it got approved the IgG and the IgM. I yeah I would yeah, I saw be it. very interested in doing as much of that testing as possible because Arizona area from about December to February, we had this weird report, talked to several physicians about it, this weird report from patients where I'm, they either say, this is, I've never had in my entire life, or yep. I had some type of flu, but it's different than the flu I've ever had before. Okay. And, yep. and here's the thing. It could have been exactly that, <laughs> you know what I mean? Some type of atypical flu yeah. or the worst cold they ran in their life. But there was a lot of people here that had it. Or it could have been um, a hybrid of COVID that came through, you know, or that could have came through. We don't know unless we start doing it. And that's what right. Dr. Peter Atia, I, I'm a big fan of his podcast. He, he touched on this a couple of days ago and he said, you know, 
until we know, he said, what we need is to go to, to New York City and take 10,000 people and test all of them. And he said that that's what would really tell yep. us something. You know, if, 100% you have, agree. if you have if 50 percent of them test positive that are asymptomatic, we're out of the woods, so to speak. Like, you know, there's still some things we need to do, but we're in good shape. If we if we test 10,000 asymptomatic people and only one percent of them test positive. Uh, we, we should freak we, exactly. out. Way, exactly. We're somewhere in the middle and we have no right. idea where. Yeah, we're, we're t- that's why I was saying, like, at the beginning, we're totally shooting from the hip because until we start doing more testing, yep. we. Re- so, what would I do? I would encourage uh, putting me back in charge. I would put, I would really encourage uh, as much antibody testing as possible. And I, I love the idea that he had about going to New York because, or Washington, you know, like, some of these places where there's a yep. high infection rate and just do a random uh, grab 10,000 people uh, that are been in areas that potentially could have been infected. And some maybe had some symptoms, some maybe had no symptoms, whatever. And just do, do the antibodies. And um, I think one of the things that I like, and, and, and this is partly because of, you know, we are in a, I believe in controlled chaos. And what I mean by that, one of the ways we could slow things down, some businesses open, but it's probably too late now. What we could have done was uh, almost quarantine states. Now, when I say quarantine, I mean, uh, no one goes in and out of Washington that has a Washington ID. You know what I mean? Like type of thing. Right. Can you still go and except for like, you know, medical supplies type thing like that. So you only have them coming in and you have them gown up, you have them mask, have them, you know, eye shield and things like that. Go overboard with the people who are going in and out um, because you're, the idea is to keep that in Washington and keep whatever's in California, you keep in California, whatever's in Arizona, you keep in Arizona. And then you could slowly yep. introduce states into it. You know what I mean? That's kind of where I think we've done that early on. Again, I get the benefit of having the hindsight. So, you know what I mean? Yep. So, yay for me type of thing. But I think, no, you I, know what I, I mean? Where it. we could have sell and maybe uh, here in Arizona, we, I, I don't think it's very locked down or whatever the right term is going to be it you know there's still a lot of people going out they have done a decent job at stopping the you know the um uh gathering in uh, big groups but is it still happening yeah but it's happening there's still people out at parties yeah yeah yeah. you know um but there's less so um so if we would have said do like what we do in Arizona, like I said, where there's still like all the drive-through places are like open and delivery type things is all. So, so there's still a lot of things that are happening here. Are there people that are, I'm not, you know, but there's, there's still like, sure. you know, Starbucks, like some of the Starbucks are still open here where you can, but you're going through the drive-through, you know, um, yep. and you know, pizza delivery and all those, you know, things like that. They're still moving. So there is some economy going on here. It's not a best case, but because we have some stuff going on, I think, and you know, and I'm not an economist, so don't, if you are, 
Okay, sorry. <laughs> no, I'm with you. Sorry, whoever's listening. But, you know, we're able to keep some stuff going where it's not a complete lockdown. Um, and if we can, would lock out to where we're having people from California and stuff like that coming in, we could probably do a good job of keep flattening the curve. Right. And I think it would make, when we do start this massive testing, I think it would make reading those oh, numbers yeah. a lot easier. Yeah. And again, everything I you come back from 10 years from now and be like, you know what, Dr. Morris, you are 100% wrong. We should have one self-contained <laughs> to the house. And maybe I will be. Maybe I will be wrong. You know what I mean? Um, we won't know. But I don't think there's, I don't think there's anybody that's, I mean, I don't think a single person out of the hundreds of thousands of medical professionals and epidemiologists, I don't think there's one person 10 years from now that's going to go, hey, I happen to be, I won the lotto. I was 100% right. Right, right. I mean, it's just one of those things. So that that being said, there's the other thing is like this has kind of changed the game. Like, you know, we've got I mean, like we're going to medical school online yeah. right now. Like telemedicine is exploding. Um, kids are going to school through Zoom. And, and I mean, there's an argument that, you know, everybody needs socializing and, you know, we still want to have like school sports and things like that. But at the same time, like people ask like, when are we going to go back to normal? And my question is like, are we ever going to go back to fully how it was? Uh, I think here, here's the thing. People are washing their hands and more self-care things like that before that they should have already been doing. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. They're like, right. Oh, I washed my hands. I'm like, really? <laughs> you weren't before. <laughs> right. I, I mean, <laughs> have you seen, you know, some of the nasty stuff that's out there. I mean, I'm not saying that COVID's not bad, yeah. but there's a lot of bad stuff. You know what I mean? What you and you know it when you're in medical school, you're like, holy crap! Oh yeah, not all dead. You know what I mean? With all yeah. the bacteria and virus and prions and all, you know what I mean? Like all the crazy stuff that's out there, and you're just like, how yeah. how are we surviving as a race? You know, type of thing. So like, yeah. should we be sterilized? No, but you should be washing your hands a couple times a day in a public place where everybody, you know, a shopping cart is nasty, yep. man. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yep. Who, you don't know how many times someone wiped their nose with their hand and put it down on the, the shopping cart that you just grabbed a hold of. And now you're walking around and touching yep. your produce that you're going to put in that you didn't wash before you, you ate them and, you know, on and on and on type of thing. Yeah. So, I think it makes people very aware of probably where we should have already been with certain things. Um, and then it also, um, I think it makes you realize what you really need in your life and what you don't really need, you know? Right. So uh, I, I, I hope it doesn't return back to the way it was before. At the same time, I believe that we do need social interaction. Um, and, and that's something either I tell people, it's like, it's physical distance. It's not social distance. I, exactly. Know, so uh, reach out to your mom more, uh, you know, you know, call the, the person that you haven't called, in, you know, five, 10 years type yep. of stuff, you know. So. And I'm, I'm interested to see like, you know, you ever been with somebody and like, you know, the, the lights come on behind you and you think you're getting pulled over and then it turns out that the cop passes yeah. you. For the next like three minutes, they drive like they're taking an exam. Right. 
and then to go back to driving how they always did. And I'm interested to see, like, in America, because this has been, like, so impactful, you know, are we going to see people that continue good practices going forward and they're going to, you know, they're not going to take people for granted? Or are we going to see when the physical distancing is over six months from now, you know, we return back to, to baseline? And I hope, I'm with you, I hope we don't. Yeah. I, I, th- I think it gave a lot of people perspective of just how just fragile, how yeah, just is. how fragile it all is, and that you know, can we plan for everything? No, but should we kind of evaluate what are common practices and different things today? Absolutely, and should we do some? Absolutely. Yep. So the. The big thing that, that people always are asking, I mean, constantly every day I get messages, they're asking, like, how do I how do I keep up with what's going on um, and be informed without getting – because there's a lot – I mean, like, we've been in information overload as a country for years right. now, but even more than ever, like, you tell people to stay home and there's so much coming out. What – like, what's the right balance? You want to know what – here's the thing. The question is, are you – do you want to frame it as a glass half full or a half empty? Because uh, when I wear a mask, I, I don't think of I'm wearing a mask because I'm afraid that the person next to me might give me something, okay? I wear a mask because maybe I'm asymptomatic and I don't want to give anything to anyone else. And to me, right. that's operating out of power versus operating out of fear. Am I still wearing a mask? Absolutely. Is it a, you know what I mean? Right. Is, but... And how other people may see me, that's going to be in their frame. But my frame is I, the reason why I wear a mask, even as a physician, when I'm seeing patients, the reason why I'm wearing a mask is because what, there is a possibility that I could be asymptomatic right. and not, and, and, and because I'm not going to risk that to my patients. And if anyone says, oh, there's a possibility, it's like, man, there's a possibility for everything, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I, I think that's the thing too. Is is you have to, you know, there, there. I don't think we should blow this off at all. Like, obviously, this is a huge deal. At the same time, like, there's a big difference in utter panic and reasonable, appropriate concern. Right. I 100% agree. It's 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 um, it's about just like I said. It's about going back to your frame of mind. It's not necessarily the actions like. You can, right. you can do the physical distance out of fear, or you can do the physical distance out of, you know, out of a, a stance of power and be like, Hey, this is what I want to do right now because I want to, to help us move past this faster. And I think more than anything, like you were saying, like, this is shine the light on a lot of stuff. Like I think for America, especially this is shine the light on, on mental health and, and how we view things. In the so, country. Uh, you know, I think we're going to have a huge, think about uh, the, uh, the stress that's going on right now and uh, just across yep. the board. So, uh, and I know, uh, you know, a term that some people say a lot and some people don't like to say, but the adrenal fatigue, you know, um, but yeah. you're, in general, most people's cortisol right now is just jacked up trying to, to you know, run super high, which is going to cause a hypertrophy of the adrenal gland to a point at some point it's not going to be up. And yep. 
how the longer the stretch out, the longer that's going to occur. Um, I think, you know, that's something that's going to be addressed. There's going to be, will it be as traumatic as a true PTSD type thing? I don't know, but will there be an after effect? Uh, absolutely. There's going to, there's going to oh, be for- people that are definitely that's, this is going to mentally affect them. Even if you think about from uh if people are going outside less, that means that they're not making as much yep. vitamin D, which research shows vitamin D associated with seasonal, um, with, you, seasonal yeah, affective. affective disorder, you know? Uh, well, and I mean, you think like, you know, the kid, the high school kids aren't going to get a, an in-person graduation all the way to, you know, I mean, God, think about the nurses that they just got out of school a year oh, ago. Listen, nothing. They're they're taking schools that are uh, nurses straight out of school right now. They're even offering some of the nurses yep. that are in school right now. They're gonna throw them right into the mix, man. Like it's like it's like it's like graduating from high school. If if wanna you know it's like for a nurse, it'd be like graduating from high school and going straight to Vietnam. You know yep. I mean? Like literally, yep. they're just coming out I, and they're like, people are dying around me, and I'm it. And, and here's the yeah. thing about working in nurse, as a nurse, especially if you're working like in the ER, ICU, or, you know, a place where you can see a is when it first happens for the, it, you know, it, it affects you. I still, to this day, remember yeah. the first person that died that was my patient to this day. And that's over 20 years ago. So, you know, right. it affects you and it affected me for a while. And I thought like, was it my fault? This, all this kind of stuff. And it goes through your head. So all these people that are like frontline that are going to have people die literally because when you run a code, they die underneath your hands. Like you're, you're doing CPR on them, pumping drugs, intubating, doing all these things and they die underneath your hands, you know? And these, these people on the front lines, they don't have time to process this stuff. Like this is day after day after day. Cause you gotta, cause you want to know what, because as that patient dies, you want to know what they need that ventilator. They need that bed. It's you, you clean them up. Uh, and now they're not even going to let family come in to see them. I'm here, you know, you hear about all the stuff is coming and see them, cleaning them up. You're dealing, you're walking out, talking to the family. Uh, you're going in a buddy. Of, uh, he, one of the awesome things that he's done for his patients, his patients, like last week or the week before is he, um, is like, uh, I can't remember what app he's using or something like that, but basically he, is getting uh, the a cell phone. I'm not sure whose cell phone, how he's getting, he's getting a cell phone and showing a camera version of the patient and showing it to their significant other outside. Oh yeah. I yeah. Have so heard about basically, that. Yeah. you know, because they haven't seen their family member or significant other and they're going hundred percent by them saying, Oh, you know what? They're okay. They're still on the ventilator. They're responding. And all your, your imagination just runs wild with all the craziness that's going on. You yep. know? So I don't know. We kind of got off. There. <laughs> no, I, I think it's important though. We're, we're going to see those. Effects. Yeah. It's going to kind of laugh. It's going to affect the, Go ahead. who are the family members. It's going to affect the, uh, cause think about the closure that they're not going to have. Hey, I'm right. sorry. Uh, mom died. Um, can I see her? No, you can't. You know what I mean? Right. Like, and, last, yep. and, I, and, and then also the, the nurse, the RT, the, the physician and everyone is like, Hey, so-and-so just died. Okay. Let's clean it up, wrap them. Let's get them going. We got to get them down and, you know, out 
down to the morgue. Oh, by the way, uh, I'm not going to have you take them down to the morgue. I'm going to have the, 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 the MA is going to take them down to the morgue because someone in the ER calling you report on your next patient. Now, you know what I mean? Like when I worked as a nurse, that would happen, yep. you know, like we need, and when it, it hard and fast, just one after another, just, yeah. Yeah, I, that's what I'm concerned about. So kind of the last big question here is let, let's put you back, uh, maybe not in charge, but, but let's say you get a chance to speak at the, the White House press conference today, and there's no reporters, you don't get attacked, but they give you the mic and they say, hey, if you could tell America, you know, maybe other than washing your hands, like, you know, you've got 30 seconds to tell America whatever you want, what, what would you say? You know, and plug towards medical doctors okay um say reach out to a and and nothing against mds and do's it's most of them sure. were not tra- trained in the realm of uh, uh, there are a lot that are going into what we call functional medicine which yep we're trained to opt and to uh, you know do that what we can do right now is basically optimize our health which yep. and, um, and you have to be careful with saying uh, boost your immunity because what you don't really want to do your to optimize your immunity because maybe your immunity is already run, right. knocked down a notch and Right, you want to regulate yeah, you it. want to regulate it. You don't necessarily want to boost it. So you know, careful with that. You know, or I, when I say that, you're careful with that term. But I would say, I would love to do a tele- telemedicine uh, uh, visit with you because I'm really looking for things that I can do right now, super simple. And you know, and yes, there are treatments out there. The, the I vitamin C and the out of natural paths do. So there's a fair MDs and DOs that do it too, um, yep. and and I would start to think out different. Uh, your it goes back even a basic diet, and you know, and yes, vitamin C. You can't get it on stuff like that. A lot of supplements and nutrients that you can um, to to optimize your immunity. Um, if you out there like heard. Uh, Elderberry is super good for you. Yep. Know that something that a, you know, physician has been trained is that elderberry, um, you treat it like it's a antibiotic. And would, would you right. take an antibiotic every day? And if you ask right. a person that like, hey, would you take an antibiotic 65 days of the year? And they'd be like, oh, absolutely not. So then you shouldn't be on elderberry 65 days of the year either. <laughs> You know what I mean? Right. Things like that, you know? So it's like, it's, I would really tell people to reach out to a naturopath and see how you can optimize your health. A lot of people think they're healthy. And then once they go and sit down with a physician, they realize that maybe they're not quite as healthy as what they, um, your hormones, uh, if your hormones are off, man, everything feels bad. You know, like see where your cortisol is at, see, you know, See what, you know, your progesterone, you know, 
project testosterone, estrogens, and stuff like that. Uh, there's so many things who they go and get their testosterone checked. They get their total testosterone checked, and they're like, "Wow, my total, you know, they're they're you know, 40 years old, and my total testosterone is 400, and my doctor said I'm fine." And I'm like, I'm "Like, yep. Well, for starters, that is low for a 40 year old." And also, right. what's your free testosterone? Because your free testosterone really tells you what you're working with. You know, because right. you can have 400 testosterone, which would be in the low range. It's a normal range, but it's low. And yep. but your, your free testosterone, let's say five, then nothing. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yep. And, and just yep. kind of getting a grasp of where all that's going on and optimize where you're yeah, really where at. You're really because, you know, like, and, and here's the thing, are some people can look healthy. I've seen people that I look at them and I'm like, man, they are in amazing shape and their lab work yep. does not, does not, uh, show that. So, Agreed. um, and they'll even tell you like, yeah, I can't sleep at night or yeah, I, you know, at 2 PM, I bomb, I can't do anything, you know? Right. So that's just something, you know, I would really tell people to optimize their health, reach out to a nat naturopathic physician wherever they are. Um, it's pretty easy to get a hold of one nowadays, especially with the uh, right. the laws have been a little bit more flexible with telemedicine because of everything that's going on with COVID. COVID, yeah. So that's all I've got, man. I just I want to let people know uh, where can they find you or keep up with what you're doing if they want to chat or maybe even make an appointment with you. Uh, where's the, the best place to keep up with you online? So I, you know what? Um, I'm on Facebook the most because I'm older. <laughs> uh, I, <laughs> okay, fair enough. I do have an Instagram account that I literally have not posted anything onto. Uh, I have a Facebook page with, uh, Dr. Neil Morris. I also, okay. uh, I practice out of regenerative health group, which is in uh, Mesa, Arizona. And, uh, Right now, the, the website is uh, regenerativehealthgroup.com, which is very long, and most people misspell regenerative. Um, right. So I was <laughs> like, we need to change the, 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 uh, the website to like RHG something, you know, but RHG.com right. is taken, so that, I guess that's why not. But, um, and then uh, also on Instagram, I'm uh, regenerativedr. Uh, Okay. On Instagram. Like I said, I see, like if someone was to reach out to me, I would see it. I just, I, I got to get right. more active on there too. Just, I haven't been. <laughs> I got, we'll, uh, we'll drop all this in the show notes for you guys listening. You can find out Dr. Morris. Uh, anything left you want to say? Well, you cut out there for just a second. Sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, so is, uh, is there anything else you, you want to share anything we didn't? Um, no, I, uh, you know, if anyone has any questions or anything that you can reach out to Dane, you can reach out to me. Um, Dane knows how to get a hold of me too. So if for some reason yep. you reach out to me and I don't respond or somehow it doesn't link up, just, uh, reach out to Dane and he can, uh, connect us. Yep. Yeah. I, I know where he's based. <laughs> it's true. It's true. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for coming on, Dr. Morris. I appreciate the All right. Thank you, Dane. I appreciate it. You All too. right. Take care.
Wow. Uh, we've had some pretty cool guests on here so far, and Dr. Mm-hmm. Morris may have dropped the most uh, broad and dense knowledge we've had yet. And I'm trying to figure out who to bring on to top it uh, from a medical standpoint. And I'm sure we will at some point, but it, it might be a while. Uh, I hope you got some value out of this. I, again, I, I apologize for the terrible audio quality, and that's something that I'm working very hard on so that we can get around this. Uh, it is humbling and comforting that I've talked to a number of podcasters in the last week or so, and this is not an uncommon thing, so I, I don't feel as bad about it as I did, but it's somebody that tries to put my best out there whenever I produce something. Uh, it's something that I'm really wrestling with, so thank you for those that are still listening. Thank you for those that are being patient and supportive during all of this. Uh, Dr. Morris is a brilliant guy. He's somebody that I've known since the first year of medical school. And I'm always enjoyed getting to spend time with him uh, inside and outside of the clinical medicine world. Uh, all of his links are going to be in the show notes. As always, uh, please check him out. Um, he's a really busy guy. They have some really cool stuff going on at Regenerative Health Group. I've been to their clinic, and it is a very well thought out facility and a very well run clinic. So, I encourage you to uh, check out what they're doing. I'm not affiliated with them, um, but. I would be remiss if I didn't encourage you to look into what they have going on. As always, just want to put a reminder out there that while Dr. Morris is a physician, uh, nothing said on this podcast by me or him is medical advice should be taken in medical advice. Always check with your doctor before you try out anything new from a health or medical perspective. And nothing we say is reflected of either of the respective medical schools that we went to or are currently affiliated with. All right, guys, I will see you in the next one.